0: Well, many, many, many years ago, uh, it doesn't seem like that many, but every time I walk past it, uh, I see the date on it, and it kind of reminds me that I am getting older. Uh, I was sharing, we were, I was in a conversation this morning, we were talking about how fast time seems to be going by, and uh, how the years seem to be going by, but as I look at it, it is time's going by, but I'm not and uh, not getting any, any older until you start to look at dates and things, and then all of a sudden you realize that, hey, you know, you are getting a little bit older. Well, back in 1989, I don't know how many of y'all remember back that far, but uh, Ronald Reagan was the president uh, of the United States, and something happened um, tremendous that year. Um, matter of fact, I happened to be in Germany when it occurred. OK? Uh, I was in Germany when the wall came down. matter of fact, I was a part of the component that when Ronald Reagan came and uh, he made his infamous speech, uh, when he turned and he looked toward Gorbachev, and he said, how many, I don't know how many of y'all remember this, but here's what he said from the podium. He said, looked, he turned and he looked at Gorbachev, and here's what he said. He said, "Gorbachev, tear down this wall." Well, in nineteen eighty nine the wall came down and we were there. And matter of fact, the theme uh for that whole entire I'm gonna tell you something, it was it was unlike anything you had ever seen in your life. Now I had been over on the east side uh prior to the wall coming down and I will tell you, um, it 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 is not a pleasant it's not a pleasant sight. Matter of fact when you would go to Berlin, if you go to the east side of Berlin where the wall was uh, the walls stretch for, you know, for good ways, depending on you know, where exactly you went to look at the wall. I, I saw the wall from many different places, but if you went to East Berlin, you went to Checkpoint Charlie, when you went over to that side, when you got to the other side of the wall, any of the buildings that were built on the east side, and the communist east, any of the buildings that were built there, when you looked at them from the west looking toward the east, they had no windows on the back side of them. There was a reason for that because they didn't want the people to be able to see into the West. Okay, and so for 40 years they were pretty much under bondage. Uh, matter of fact, there was a there was a theme song that was played for all of that entire wall came, coming down. Matter of fact, I have the newspaper from there. Uh, we actually have I actually have some pieces of the wall. Not the stuff that you could buy across Amazon.com or some of these other. These, these are actual pieces that came off of the wall. But there was a theme song that was played for that whole entire process, for that, in whole, that whole entire night. And it was called, the name of the song was Ode to Joy and Freedom. I don't know how many of you know the significance of that song or who even wrote that song, but I will I, let, me, let me enlighten you. It is Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. And so that was played throughout the whole night. It was the anthem for the fall of the wall between the communist East and freedom in the West. Forty years of bondage. Evil and darkness imposed by a regime. People were set free as the wall came down. I was there watching all night long as people would make their way through the Brandenburg Gate and as these people would make their way through the Brandenburg Gate from the east into the west, as they walked across the border, many of them fell on their faces and kissed the ground, while others embraced family members and that they had not seen. They'd been separated for many years. And all of this happened when the wall came down. Many people, for the first time in their lives, got to experience any concept of freedom at all. While that is wonderful with inside of itself, I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter 6 this morning because I want to talk about another freedom. I want to talk about a freedom that is probably... Well, I put it to you this way: It is the greatest. It is the greatest freedom that there is, from Romans chapter number six. Ode to joy and freedom, Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. Uh, when you look, when you listen to it, when you see these people as they came through the gate, and these tears just begin to flow down from their faces, and. They experienced a freedom unlike anything that they had ever known before in their entire life. Let me share something with you this morning. There is a freedom that the Word of God speaks about that is even far greater than what those people experienced when they came from the East into the West. The freedom that we enjoy in the United States of America today, this freedom is even greater than that freedom when you consider all the freedom that we have From a temporary standpoint, the freedom that I want to talk to you about this morning is an eternal freedom. It's a freedom that we're set apart from the evil and the darkness of this world that we find ourselves in. And where our lives are set into a blessed hope. Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 1 through verse 7. I want you to notice as Paul writes, he said, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin and then verse 7 for he who has died is freed from sin let's pray father we thank you for your word father we thank you for the freedoms that we know and experience in this life and in this world that we live in today But, Father, there's a far greater freedom, and that's the freedom that is found in Jesus Christ. Being set free from all of the evil and the darkness and the separation for all of eternity from you, set free from that by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and his resurrection. And, Father, because Jesus Christ lives and is seated at your right hand, Today, making intercession on our behalf, just as He is alive today, so we may be also. So, Father, I pray this morning that you would take your word, you would use it for your honor and for your glory. Father, may you be glorified in everything, because you alone are worthy to receive it all. And we ask it all in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. You know, we find our freedom in Jesus Christ set free from the evil and the darkness of sin and we're given a new life in Christ in other words we pass from death into life that death being an eternal separation from from God throughout throughout all of eternity and because of Jesus Christ we can pass from death into life and understand what it is to live and to be alive and to understand what life for all of eternity is truly all about when it comes to our life. You know, I remember watching these people as they come through the Brandenburg Gate and as they as the parts of the wall began to came come down and people were climbing all over the place just to be able to reach a point of freedom. So, my dear friend, as we consider the magnitude of that from a temporary perspective, how much greater is the freedom that we experience in Jesus Christ, set free from the evil and the darkness of the world that we're associated with today, anticipating if we remain that way in an eternal separation from God for all of eternity. And that has been changed. It was changed on the cross of Calvary. It was changed at an empty tomb so that you and I could experience freedom, and have a freedom unlike anything that we have ever known or will ever know in our lives now there are some who act as though salvation in Jesus Christ is bondage in other words I've had people tell me this yeah but if I but if I do that then I can't live it like I want to anymore you're right yeah, but if I if I give my heart and life to Jesus Christ, then there are some things that I, that I probably can't be a part of anymore. You're right. And if I give my heart and life to Jesus Christ, there's probably going to be some relationships that I may have that may not exist anymore after I give my heart and life to Jesus Christ, and it may be. But my dear friend, when we consider what we have in Jesus Christ, the cost associated with, with what occurred on the cross of Calvary, my dear friend, can we do anything less but give our heart and life to Jesus Christ? That's the question. Why? Just so we can simply live life the way that we want to? Let me share this with you this morning. It's the exact opposite. When we consider Salvation through Jesus Christ. Here's one of the things that I want you to understand. If you don't get anything else this morning, here it is. Salvation sets you free. Salvation sets you free. Eternally free. And that is truth found only in Jesus Christ. It's not a... Well, maybe you'll be free. Maybe you'll experience. No, it is the truth. When you look at verse 7 of Roman chapter, uh, chapter number 6, notice what it says. For he who has died is freed from sin. Matter of fact, Jesus himself said, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. My dear friends, freed from the, from the bondage of sin that makes up our lives in the flesh that we now live today, always, always underneath that, that bondage, always underneath all of that oppression and darkness that we find ourselves in can be set free by the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, when Christ redeems us, I want you to think about this. Our old, okay? Our old, and matter of fact, it's interesting because the Greek word here means actually, it it means useless or worthless. So this old life, this old self is crucified. That is, it's put to death and destroyed. That's why in verse 7 it says, For he who has died is free from sin. Look back at verse number 3, or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Buried in the likeness of his death when we baptize folks. You'll hear us say this when we baptize someone. Baptized in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in newness of life. It's a it's a dying to self is what it is that old fleshly selfish nature that we have and I don't think there's anybody in this auditorium this morning at some point in time doesn't have a little bit of selfishness find its way into our lives each and every day but my dear friend when it comes to understanding who we are without Jesus Christ we we live in a life of selfishness. We live in a, a life where we're always constantly trying to satisfy the very desires of our heart. But my dear friend, when Jesus Christ becomes a part of our heart and life and we're buried in death with Him, and that old self is 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 put away and old things are all of those old things become new. You know, I can imagine those people. Let me tell you something. They'd come over to the west side. Are you ready for this? They came across to the west side. All the stores, all the shops were open. At midnight, 1, 2, and 3 o'clock in the morning, they had all the shops open. You know why? These people come across. The first thing they wanted to do was to go into some of these places that they've never been able to experience in their life. They're like kids in a candy store didn't make any difference what the cost was and they began to go through those stores and and they began to just they 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 would take every they could listen some of them would go into some of those stores and fall down on their face and begin to weep because they just could not believe everything on those shelves that they were able to see They had never experienced anything like that. Let me share something else with you today. You don't know what life is about until you experience life through Jesus Christ. You don't understand those things that he has for us as a result of our salvation in him until you experience Jesus Christ in your life. All of those things that God has for us. and One of the things that it ought to do For us, it ought to motivate us. It ought to bring tears to our eyes when we think about what we have in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Like what things? Do you realize as a born-again believer with Jesus Christ, we're an heir. We're joint heir with Christ. If we also suffer with him. And so the scripture, when we see all of those things that God desires for us, listen to me, please listen to me. God desires the best for you. That's what his desire is. He desires the best for you. The best of what? The best of things? No, the best of him. And I will tell you, the best of him will change you for who you are. Because the old life has died. You ready for this? What characterized the old life has died with it? Look at verse 12 and verse 13 of Romans chapter 6. I'll tell you what, let's just just read beginning in verse 8. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. You ought to underline that. Jesus Christ will never die again. There was one sacrifice in one time only. Jesus Christ fulfilled all that was necessary. Jesus Christ was able to appease the very wrath of God once and for all. Jesus Christ died, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father today. There is no more sacrifice. So knowing that Christ having been raised from the dead is never to die again, death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11, even so consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Verse 12, therefore, as a result of that, if you understand and you see that, then notice what Paul writes in verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. And I want you to notice what he says in your mortal body, not your spirit, in your mortal body. Why in your mortal body? Because this temporary body of flesh that we live in today okay we are still bombarded by sin itself and i don't think there's anybody in this room on a daily basis is not confronted with sin to some degree and whether it's sin that is visible right in front of us or it's a sin of of omission from our own lives or those things that we know that we ought to do for christ that we don't do But what about all of those things that the world just has to hurl at us every single day? What do we do do with all of that when it comes? Here's what Paul says. Therefore, as a result of being baptized in the death of Jesus Christ, there is no longer any need for sin to be able to have reign over you in your mortal body. Why? Where do we draw the strength from? At the time of our salvation, the Holy Spirit comes to live with inside of us. Notice what Paul goes on to say. Verse 13, And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. In other words, what Paul is saying here, listen, he is not merely speaking of existing in the presence of God but of living to God, living a life consistent with God's holiness. In other words, you don't present yourselves, the instruments of who you are, to unrighteousness, but to God himself and the holiness of God, and to walk in the ways of righteousness every day that we possibly can. So in other words, we're not out there embracing and walking with the world, or should not be, that's what Paul says. Romans chapter 12 Paul went in to clarify that a little bit further and here's what he said he said I urge you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice he drops down to verse number two and here's what he says and be not conformed to this world but to be what to be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is that acceptable and perfect will of God that's that's who we are or should how do we use that freedom? How do we exercise that freedom that we have in Jesus Christ? Well, look at verse 14. Paul goes on to write, for sin shall not be master over you. Shouldn't be. Yeah, but Brother Robert, I just... I, I, it just, it just, it just comes. It just happens. It's just like I don't have any control over it. Let me ask you a question: Do we have control over sin? Well, y'all are a quiet bunch this morning. Do we have control over sin? We make choices every day. Do we choose? We make choices. Please listen to me. We make choices. Even though we've been born again by the Spirit of God Himself, we all make choices every day. Can we live in sinless perfection? Not in this life. Matter of fact, anybody here absolutely sinless? Here's what the scripture says. There's only one. Jesus Christ, he's already died for us. Verse 14, for sin shall not be master over you. For you're not under law, but under grace. What then? Verse 15. Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? Notice what Paul says. May it never be. Do do we go out and commit more sins so that, that God's grace can be experienced to even greater depths? No, we don't. Our desire every day should be to live in what? In his holiness to walk in the paths of, of righteousness for his namesake. I mean, that should be the desire of who we are as a child of God, set free from the darkness and the bondage and the evil of this world, set free through Jesus Christ himself. Verse 16. And Notice what he says. He says, Don't you know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you're slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. In other words, so let me ask you a question. So who do you surrender to? That's how simple this question is. Who do you surrender yourself to on a daily basis? Do you surrender yourself to the leading of the Holy Spirit? Let me tell you, one of the things we have more difficult time with than anything else is this subject of submission and surrender. We have a problem today with the subject of authority. Well, bless God, nobody has authority over me. Bless God, nobody's going to tell me what I can do and what I can't do. Well, bless God, I'm my own person, and I'm going to live my life exactly the way that I want to live it regardless of what anybody else has to say. That's what the flesh says. Here's what the believer says. I surrender myself to the leading of the Holy Spirit in my life. I understand the authority of God in my life. I understand the significance of the Godhead. I understand of placing myself underneath that authority. Because I'll tell you what. Let me just share this with you. You can't live life every day on your own. You can't do it. Verse 17. But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin. That's an interesting word. It's a bond slave. It's slavery. Just that the significance of slave there. When you consider the significance of slave there, all of those people that came through the Brandenburg Gate and came across the wall, they were held as slaves in bondage to the regime that was there. What about us? But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin... You became slaves of what? Of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, he said, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. And then notice the therefore again in verse 21, therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? You know those things you were hanging on to of the world? You know those things you were hanging on to of the flesh? You know, those things that you were hanging on to and hoping and finding some way to find purpose throughout all of them, notice what Paul says. Those things that you were hanging on to have now become things of death. Verse 22. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God... You derive your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome. Here comes the reversal of the outcome. The one is a death. The other one is eternal life. That's the difference. That's the difference. The bondage, the evil, the holding on to, the enslavement of the world itself leads to nothing but death, eternal separation from God himself. Those things that are found in Jesus Christ, baptized into the death of Jesus Christ so that we walk in newness of life, brings us to the point of eternal life. That's the difference between the two in verse 23. and Paul goes on to say, and here's the reason, because the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our You see, sin will always be a powerful pull. Always. But for the believer, it is no longer master. Even though it may have a strong pull, it is no longer master. Why? Because as a believer, we have someone who lives with inside of us, that God gave us the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit lives with inside of us. We have the Word of God. We have the Holy Spirit of God so that we don't have to live life every day on our own any longer. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, here's an interesting thing. I went through chapter number six, looking at the word free or freed. And it's amazing how many times you see that word in chapter six alone. You've been what? You've been set free. You're set free from the bondage of this world. You're set free from the bondage of sin. You're you're set free. You know, it's amazing to me how focused we are on freedom today. Well, my dear friend, it's one thing to be free in the world that we live in today. It's another thing to be free to the point that we're in Christ Jesus freedom that comes from being in Christ the only way that we can experience and participate in true freedom if you want to understand what true freedom is all about the only way that you can experience and participate in that is through Jesus Christ himself it's the only way so I'm ask you a question who are you a slave to today the world or to Jesus Christ That's the question we have to answer. Who are you a slave to? The world? Or to Jesus Christ? I know sometimes we wonder if we're a slave to work. I don't know. How many of you in here like to work? How many of y'all like to do physical manual work every day? I still can't even get any hands up. How many of y'all like to sit back in the rocking chair on the front porch with a ceiling fan going? Nice cold glass of ice water in your hand. Kick back watching somebody else do everything. Boy, look at all the hands go up all the auditorium now. So it's a simple question. So who are you a slave to today? Are you a slave to life and the world? Or do you belong to Jesus Christ? Beethoven's Ninth Symphony is performed all over the world today. And it's interesting because I don't think Beethoven, when he composed the Ninth Symphony, ever thought that it would stand as an anthem for freedom. As it has been placed, but Beethoven's Ninth Symphony also stands for something else today. It stands as a symbol for humanity and human rights. And I thought it was amazing that they selected Beethoven's Ninth Symphony as the anthem for when the wall came down. Matter of fact, anybody, do you do you know? Anybody in here know what a VHS tape is? How many of you still have VHS players? How many of y'all still have cabinets full of VHS tapes? How many of y'all have VHS tapes and no tape player to play them on? Anybody? They came out with a VHS tape. That documented all of that that took place when the wall came down. And I watched that thing over and over and over and over and over again because I have never known what it's like to not know what it means to be free. But I'll say something to you today. I never knew what it was like to be truly set free. Until July the 8th, 1990, when Jesus Christ became my Lord, my Savior, and my Master. So, my question to you today is who are you a slave to? You see, Jesus Christ and the cross is more than just a symbol, it's not just a symbol, He is life. And he is freedom. That's who he is. The question is, what will you do with him? You see, all the cost has been paid. There is nothing. There is nothing you can do to earn it. There is nothing you can do to buy it. There is nothing you can do to earn it. It's simply because of his grace and his love that he makes it available to you today. So, you're going to continue to live in bondage or you're going to live in the freedom that is found only in Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads together as we pray.